0: Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health and relationships so settle in you're listening to the growth and greatness podcast yep i want to bring up this point because you, uh, when we were talking off camera, you brought up something that I thought was so, so good. For anybody that knows me here recently, I've been talking about this topic, really just trying to, you know, wade through it and and get the mind of God on it. But one of the things that I realized about my training in ministry is that like I equated humility with humiliation in my process. Right. And because of my experiences, I had an instinctual rejection to this process of being humble because I felt like what I had experienced was, extreme. And in some cases, in my opinion at the time, I felt like it was unnecessary and it wasn't going to produce the God kind of humility that scripture talks about. Right. Now that was just my take on it. Right. And so even for the past, maybe couple of weeks, I I kept on saying like, there's a humility, like that the Lord desires for us to be humble, but it shouldn't be like humiliating. But Pastor Jay, you said something to me this morning and and I want to kind of Walk through this because you made a really, really good point. And I I might be wrong in this. I might be wrong in what I'm saying. And so I'm going on record to say, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not right about that. So uh, just for the people's sake, say what you said, because I think it was so good.
1: I hope I remember it. Listen,
0: we We were talking about
1: Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. We just um, ministered on Sunday about Joseph and his journey. The Lord shows him this dream of greatness, but he doesn't know what that's going to look like specifically. And those of you that know the story or what have you, if you don't know the story, check out Genesis 37, 39 through like 41, chapters 39 through 41 or whatever. It's a really powerful story. But so Joseph, you know, he's honored by his father. He has this coat of many colors. His brothers are envious of him, all this kind of stuff. He starts having these dreams of greatness where his family is going to be bowing down to him and all of this stuff. But then in his journey, he gets sold into slavery. And in slavery, like he's treated like a slave and it's humiliating. Right. And he not of any fault of his own, but like he is, his brothers uh, are so angry with him that they sell him into slavery. They fake his death. Right. And now he is on his way to Egypt. He ends up in this captain of the guards house. But before, and the Bible says that the Lord is with him, but Before he gets to that place where things are prospering, they treat him like a slave. They treat him like property. They treat him like he doesn't belong there. You know what I mean? He is just a product. And, but because the Lord is with him, he begins to get. Favor and notoriety and everything that he touches begins to prosper, right? And then he's running this commander-in-chief's house and things are well. In the, and uh, Potiphar, uh, his master, puts him in charge of everything except for his wife, of course, and some other things. And the wife begins to see Joseph running things and now she's like trying to sleep with him and all of this stuff. And so she makes a pass at him. He refuses, right? And he lets her know, listen, I'm running this thing, but I'm not going to mess this up by messing with you. And I'm not going to sin against God. And she's still not taking no for an answer. So one day uh, she grabs him, grabs his coat or his tunic, and he runs out without it. And she cries rape. And it's a false charge. She lies on him, but he ends up in prison right? On a false charge. He's stuck there. He's treated like a prisoner. But again, God's favor is on him, right? And he is, he begins to run the prison. Now, while he's running Potiphar's house, he's learning the culture of Egypt. Potiphar is a part of the government of Egypt. Right. So he's learning how he's learning protocol. He's learning language. He's learning how to host uh, high class people, government officials. He's learning how to prepare meals, prepare the house, prepare the staff, how to run it, how to organize it, how to do all of these things. Right. He gets thrown in a prison that is for high class prisoners, if you will. Right. And so he's learning the protocols there and all of this stuff, but he's labeled a prisoner and a attempted rapist, right. Which is humiliating, but it's got him in places where he's also learning and building a reputation and building a work ethic where people can vouch for him. So by the time he gets to the palace, With Pharaoh, right, he already, whoever Pharaoh talks to already, they already have great things to say about Joseph, but his journey was not pretty and his journey was not fair.
0: And I think the piece that kind of stuck out to me is like, okay, you know, when we start talking about humiliation versus humility. We started talking about like what really classifies as humiliation. Right. In today's society, I think we can probably lean towards hypersensitivity towards things. And so perhaps we are classifying things as humiliation that, you know what I mean, maybe in other societies or in other times would not be considered as detrimental as we may consider them to be now. Now, that's not to make a judgment call on whether or not something that you're experiencing is humiliating or not. But I think it does cause me to reconsider some things and say, okay, does this really deserve this type of classification? You know what I mean? When I compare the things that Jesus had to experience from being born in a place where animals. Lived, You know what I mean? Being placed as as a newborn baby, the beginning phases of his life. He wasn't just born in a low-class household. He was born in a space where animals were. Like, you know what I mean? There's some things about his life that were not just an inconvenience. They showed like there's no reputation at all you know and then even with joseph you know sometimes i think sometimes and i, I i've been guilty of this too you are you like i've been guilty of approaching uh, approaching my humility through the lens of my rights Right. I have a right to this. I have a right to this. I'm a human being. I'm a this. I'm a, you know, I'm strong black woman. (laughs) You know what I mean? All of these things. And perhaps the lens through which I am approaching this thing, this posture that the Lord is really asking for. Maybe this lens has me elevated in a way that I don't even realize I can't even get to the posture of humility because my baseline is too high. And so this is kind of the thing that, you know, this is the kind of thing that I've been, I've been wrestling with in my journey. And, you know, I was reading this passage earlier today in James 4. It was talking about, it talks about God opposing the proud, but giving grace to the humble. And I was thinking to myself, like... You know, I wonder if the resistance that I have experienced in my lifetime that I have in some cases attributed to the enemy, I wonder if that has been the Lord opposing my pride. Has he been opposing my arrogance? And here I am attributing it to the work of the enemy. When the Lord's like, you are conditioned to think too highly of yourself. You are conditioned to position yourself. The only way you feel comfortable is when you feel like you're on top. Anytime you feel like you're not on top, you are uncut. You, your soul is tormented. It drives you to your knees. You're binding and casting out everything that you ever learned and you could think of. <laughs> and the Lord's like, "That's me. That's me. That's me." you know, coaching you into humility. That's me using people to make you humble. And you're trying to bind up their life. You're trying to cast out the spirit that's driving them. And it's me, I'm using it. And you made a really great point today about the account of Joseph, because the fact of the matter was, you said the Lord never changed his plan of how he was going to use Joseph. He gave Joseph the dreams at the very beginning That he was going to, that his brothers were going to bow to him, and that even his father and his mother would bow. But how could he ever get to that place of elevation? for that dream to be true, unless he went through the journey of what he went through to get there. And sometimes we think that the low points of our journey are really a hindrance to what God is trying to do, but they are the very thing that God is using to get us from point A to point B. And I think it's just kind of, you know, it is working that maturity in us and working that immaturity out of us that the Lord just wants to put you on a mountaintop. And that it's the work of the enemy that's keeping you from getting there faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, these are, I'm just, I'm just kind of sharing, like, I'm just sharing what's going through my mind and, you know, what I'm learning and what I'm seeing through yeah. this process. I mean,
1: listen, y'all, it says that, like, if we humble ourselves, like, he will exalt you in due time. Right. And I was sharing this. I was sharing this on Sunday. I was saying how like like we have the some of y'all are watching from the states or what have you. Um, I know here in Bermuda, we uh, we watch more European football and stuff like that. And like they have drafts and they have different players or whatever. And NFL, they're getting ready to do the draft and stuff like that. But I was I was sharing with the church that a lot of times when you see people up for the draft while they are talented and gifted and man, they are in demand. A lot of times those same people that are up for the draft have people in their neighborhood that is more athletic, more talented and more gifted than them. But their attitude is what keeps them, like sometimes they're not coachable. Sometimes it's not that they can't do the job. It's not that they can't run the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, all those things. It's their attitude and their inability to manage their emotions and manage what's going on internally with them that disqualifies them. They actually can run faster, throw farther, hit harder than the ones that are up on the draft. But they can't. There's something in them that have, they don't have self-control Where they don't have certain attributes that are needed for them to thrive on the big stage. hmm. Right. And as you're talking, man, it's like the Lord's just bringing some things back to my remembrance. And like I see areas of when I was in places to grow, but my immaturity hindered it. And I remember, I remember I was serving, I was serving at this church and we were doing good. Like our ministry was taking off in the city. People were recognizing what we were doing. This particular church had opened their doors to us. They gave us like, Office space, and there was like a cafe downstairs, and they they were like, "Jonathan, you can, you guys can run this thing, you can do all of this stuff, right?" And there were some other opportunities that were coming, and I remember this pastor, and there were some things that he had like promised me that did not come through right? There were some things that on his end, there was, you know, whatever. But I remember sitting in a meeting with him and he began, he was like, can I be honest with you? And I was like, sure, you know? And he started talking to me about some, I'll just say some deep-seated things, right? And instead of me like being humble and receiving what he was trying to say to help me, Right. I postured myself to like neglect it and then throw some things back in his face because I was like, you're coming at me with this or with that. And you didn't do this or that or what have you. And and I remember him just shaking his head and like having like he was like, I'm not coming for you. Like I am really trying to help you. He was like, I see this in you, but I see when you are with this particular group, like things change and not for the better. And he was like, I'm trying to encourage you to, and it was like, because I could not hear the correction, I rejected it, but he was so right. And he was trying to prepare me for the bigger stage. Mm -hmm. Right. But I wasn't humble enough to receive it. And it was kind of like, how dare he, how, you know, that, you know, you can get that posture where you're offended and you're like, I ain't receiving this because you got this and that, and I can point out this and that all that kind of stuff. And I look back on those things and I'm like, Man, like I didn't gain anything from that Mm -hmm. and I could have been further quicker Mm -hmm. if I would have listened, because sometimes let me say this, this is going to sound crazy and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes, and I'm not saying that this pastor was my enemy, I'm not saying that, but sometimes the Lord will use your enemy to prepare you for something bigger. Sometimes the Lord will use your enemy that The one you perceive as your enemy, the one sometimes that's jealous of you. Sometimes the one that has not been kind or fair, but he will use, like the Lord doesn't always use your friend Come on. to sharpen you. Come on. Who was it in scripture?
0: It's not, I can't think of the guy, but you remember when, was it David? I can't think. But you remember when he was, he was like out in this area and this person came and and they just started cursing him. And he was like no, it's okay. He was like, because it may have been, you know what I mean? Do you remember that instance? I forget who it was, but he almost makes, like, he just kind of makes a case for him. He gives the guy the benefit of the doubt. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, something may have happened or whatever, but he just doesn't take it on. He doesn't take it on in arrogance, but he's like, you know what I mean? Something may have been going on. Like, I may have done something. I may not have done what he's saying, but I may have done something in my lifetime that I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't get that feedback and I deserved that feedback. Do you remember that? I forget who it is. You guys, I'm so sorry. Me on the next podcast. I will pull up the scripture and I will share it with you because I remember that scripture because I felt like the Lord was just kind of bringing that to my remembrance to put things into perspective. And along the way, I love the point that you're making about the Lord using people that we would not necessarily consider to be friends to sharpen us. Because the fact of the matter is the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So he has everyone at his disposal. He will use whoever he sees fit to sharpen us, not just the iron that we like right? He uses all things. The Bible tells us, he says, I use all things for your good, right? All things, not just the things that we like, not just the things that we're comfortable with, and not just the things that make sense to us, but all things. And it really, that living sacrifice piece is such a critical, it's so critical because when you Are a living sacrifice. When we die to ourselves, we give up the responsibility of protecting ourselves. And a lot of times, we, especially when we get into these moments where we are faced with the opportunity to be humble, we will choose to protect ourselves. And the Lord's like, you don't need to protect yourself. I'm your protector. You know what I mean? Like I'm the one that can, I will stand in the gap for you. I will protect you. And sometimes we will take that and we will begin to protect ourselves. We will begin Mm -hmm. to protect our own interests and we'll call it something that it's not when it's like we've gotten up off of the altar. We're like, Lord, don't worry about it. Obviously, you're not protecting me because I'm having to deal with this thing that's not (laughs) that's not so pleasant. So I'm gonna protect myself. Lord, you're not saying nothing, you're not stopping them. So I'm gonna stop them. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to st- I'm going to you know what I mean? I'm going to stop you right now. I'm going to put my own boundaries in place.
1: Because we hinder You know what I mean? Hinder, we hinder our growth and we hinder our greatness.
0: Now, this is one thing that I will tell you that the Lord has taught me along the way. He was like, uh, Candace, my the systems that I have set up, the things that I have put in place to grow you and to develop me, you cannot there is no other work around. You can't work around it. And the Bible says, humble yourself under the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. It doesn't say humble yourself if you agree with where the opportunity is coming from. It doesn't say humble yourself for a a short season. And then, you know, until you can't last any longer and the Lord knows your heart. And then he's gonna, you know, he's gonna step in. He's gonna correct everybody that's not doing it properly. And then he's gonna exalt you. It doesn't say any of those things. And sometimes we're like, but God, they're trying to humble me, but I don't like the way that they're doing it. And we're wanting to skip that humility process. And we're wanting to grab hold of the promise of honor. We're wanting to grab hold of the promise of elevation. And the Lord is like, the promise of elevation is there. Like Joseph, the promise that people, that his brothers were going to bow to him are still there. The promise that his parents were going to bow to them is still there. But you know what else is still there? The process. And he's like, you can't lay claim to the promise and think you're going to backdoor your way through the process. That's what he's telling me. He might be telling you the same thing. (laughs) But that's one thing we know that the Lord is not handing out cheat codes to elevation. He's not handing out life hacks to blessings. He's like, he says, I am the way you got to do it my way. If you want my results.
1: Well, That's good. And I'll say this, like your submission is to the Lord. And you've got to like, you've got to settle that. And I know people like, that's right. I don't submit to no man, I submit to the Lord, right? Well, sometimes your submission to the Lord, He has you submitting to people. Sometimes. All the time. I was trying to be nice. Say saying, all the time. He will have you submitted to people. He will have you submitted to the process. And how you submit to the people and the process that he has designed for you to do so is submitting to him, right? Now, again, I, I think I we said it on the last, on one of the last podcasts we were on here, is like... The Lord is not going to have you submitted to folks that are asking you to do things that are contrary to his word, and that will defile you, right? And that will cause you to sin and cause you to whatever, you know? But there is, like, when you are able to submit to the Lord through people, And through the process and through journeys and whatever, wherever the Lord has you, that is submission to the Lord, right? It's not a blind submission. It's not a, you know, it's none of those things, but you've got to, some of you are in a place where God has you because he's training you and making you ready for better and bigger things. Mm -hmm. But you have to submit to the process and the Lord will exalt you in due season. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking about, I was an armor bearer for this pastor. And from time to time he would travel and we would have to go with him and, you know, take care of like his stuff or what have you like that. And so this one particular time we traveled to Chicago and so we went, he preached, we helped him through the thing or what have you. And then he had to stay there for dinner. And we were, we jumped in the car He told us to go back home, which was about an hour or so away. And so normally he had this bag that he would keep with him at all times, like he'd have his money in there or whatever. And so I had asked him, I said, do you want me to take the bag and put that in your truck as well? Or do you want to hold on to it? And so he says, no, I'll hold on to it because there's some things I I need. And so I was like, all right, do you have everything? Yes. Right. So we leave, we go back and then it was a Saturday night. I'll never forget it. We leave and then Sunday morning, we would meet him and his wife, they both co-pastored or whatever. And so we would meet them in the church's garage. They would drive in. And so we'd get there early. So I get there and all the the other like armor bearers, other folks, they're like, Ooh, you in trouble. You done messed up. And I was like, well, what, what did I do? All this stuff. And they're like, you left pastor's bag. You didn't put it in the truck or whatever. And he so he left without his bag. right and so I said yeah pastor told me he was gonna keep it because they were he needed it or whatever and he was to leave it with him and then you know whatever so they're like oh you in trouble you in trouble so like pastor comes in I help him out the car or whatever and they're like Jonathan where's my bag? And I was like, Pastor, you, I had asked you if you want me to put it in the truck. So I was prepared, right? I was ready. And so I was like, I asked you if you want me to put it in the truck, but you said you needed it because you need to put something in it later or what have you. And he just looked at me and he was like, he was like, make sure I have my bag. Like, so he knew, but like, he didn't like admit and be, he wasn't like, oh, my bad. You know what I mean? And that Sunday afternoon, we had to go somewhere else. Right. And so I'm holding on to his bag. And so both him and his wife, they're like, Jonathan's hold on to that bag because he knows he's going to be in trouble. Like, and so again, I wasn't in the wrong, but I didn't have to fight to be right. You know what I mean? And everybody else was like, oh, you left back." So that was kind of the talk of the thing. And I was like, I just left it. Right. Because I could defend myself and I could argue and I'd be like, no, you were the one that, you know, all those things. But it it was like there's times, y'all, where like you don't always have to be right. You don't have to fight to let everyone know that you're right.
0: Sometimes being right, sometimes we give more value to being right than I think really exists in being correct. You know what I mean? Like we elevate that. And in some cases, we probably idolize it where we would rather be right than anything else. So, you know, I'm in a serving position, but you're not going to correct me publicly. I'm going to let everybody who listen know that I was right and you were wrong. You know what I mean? And again, those are little things. Those are little instances, right? But we don't often realize that they have far-reaching ramifications. Yeah. Once you begin to sit yourself on that place where you're like, you know what I mean? Now, all of a sudden I'm side eyeing you because I'm like, well, the last time you were wrong, you know, and I was right. And so now we position ourselves to not be able to gain everything out of the relationship because we're making these minor adjustments. You know what I mean? Relationally, we're making these minor adjustments in our attitude, in our approach, in our response, in our lack of response, in our obstinance, in our submission, like all of These things, and now all of a sudden, what was meant to sharpen us, it's not doing the same job,
1: right? Absolutely. And the thing about it, y'all, is I think part of being humble too is realizing you could have missed it, you could have misunderstood, right? And sometimes we are willing to fall on a sword of like, no, I know it was this way, and I know it was that way, and I know all of these things. And even when you're right in some of these, now I'm not saying when you're accused of something that you don't tell the truth. And if it wasn't, you know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. But there's some things that we are just, we're so argumentative on, that we disqualify ourselves from the opportunity. Hmm. And there are times where I've seen people that just go toe to toe, toe to toe, or what have you. And for nothing, Hmm. Right. It doesn't make any difference either way. Right. But what happens is the opportunity will dismiss you. And now you are through the door and now you're on the other side of the door because you are so obstinate and dogmatic and you ain't going to tell me and I'm not going to, you know, all of these things. And you miss out on, I can tell you conversations that I've been privy to just because I walked humbly, conversations and things that I heard and like knowing how to be confidential and knowing how to carry yourself in the room and knowing how to go into a room. I don't know why I'm going here, but sometimes the Lord will allow you to go into a room that's above your pay grade. And it's not for you to show how great you are. It's for you to listen to what's going on in the room. And sometimes we come through the doors trying to prove who we are when it's not your time to prove who you are. It's your time to gain some knowledge and some wisdom. Begin to ask the Lord, what is my purpose in this situation? Right? Sometimes it's not for you to, it's not for you to tell all, you know, My dad used to say this to me all the time. He was like, he was like, if you go into a place and you tell all you know, now all you know is what you know and they know what you know. But if you could go into a place and hear now, you know what what you know and what they know, right? You don't always have to be the smartest one in the room. But the Lord may have you there to hear things and to observe things so that when it is your time to lead, you know how to lead with greater wisdom. It's not your job to determine whether the leader is right or wrong all the time. Well, I would do it differently and I would do this. And, you know, they and you, you don't have all the variables, right? So you go in and you begin to glean, you begin to be humble and to receive, right? So that when it is your time to talk. You're talking, hallelujah with, you're talking with the right reasoning and the right intellect and you're answering the right questions. You're bringing the right answers mm-hmm. because you have time to hear what the conversation was.
0: And I think it goes back to what we were saying. Like we're clear on the assignment. Sometimes we're loose. On what our assignment is, we're loose on what the assignment is until we get wind of a potential opportunity, and then we perceive that that opportunity is whatever we want to make it. Right. So as soon as there's a crack in the door, as soon as there's an opportunity to go do this, that, there, and the other, now it's like, well, you know, this opportunity is what I make it. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put my best foot forward because I'm trying to travel the world and be a speaker. I'm gonna. Put Put my best foot forward because I'm trying to make these business deals. I'm trying to be this person. I'm trying to, you know what I mean? Instead of really walking in a way where we are consulting God at every step. Right? Because everybody that's in a room is not doing, they're not serving the same purpose. Everybody in the room doesn't have the same agenda. They may be sharing a room, but they're not sharing the same assignment. Right? And I think walking humble before the Lord is walking sensitive enough to allow the nuance of the Holy Spirit to inform your movements our movements, right? Just because, you know, we pastor a church doesn't mean that everywhere we show up, we're pastors, right? Just because I sing doesn't mean everybody needs my song, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm saying that because sometimes we're so crude in our approach. It's like, this is what I have to give. So I'm going to give it everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm a hammer. So everything is a nail. I'm a screwdriver. So everything is a screw. When the Lord's like, I'm actually, I am Diversifying you so you can do more than one thing, but this opportunity is for you to learn and not for you to show how great of a hammer you
1: are. See, you don't have to. You don't have to make your way. The Lord will open the door. And that even as you're reading the story of Joseph, like Joseph did not make his way. He just did what he he did what he did in excellence and his gift made room. And not only did his gift make room, but God made room. God, again, Sunday, you guys get a chance, you can watch it on our Facebook page or our YouTube page. I'll, I'll put the link and show that notes. There are times, there are times where God will curate a circumstance and a situation that is designed only for you. And so like when Pharaoh has this dream, he calls all of his wise men, all of his magicians, all of these people to interpret this dream, but nobody can do it but Joseph and so now you've got to reach into a prison to a man with a with a false charge that's not even from your nation that was a slave right but he's the only one that's got the word of the lord brother right and he picks him up out of this thing and within 24 hours puts him in a position of prominence where everything that was over him is now under him
0: and he didn't come in like, well, first of all, let me tell you all the wrongs that I've already experienced. And I will give you the word of the Lord once you apologize, once you provide recompense for all of these wasted years That's in prison. It. Like, no, he's That's like, true. I mean, he was fully expecting to go back to his cell because he's like, you know, I pray that you guys just find somebody that can help you out.
1: <laughs> you Not again. His submissions to the Lord, even though while he's submitting to the people around him in the environment, right? And so it's also the Lord that rewards him through the people. If y'all don't hear nothing else, right, on this growth and greatness podcast, I'm telling you that the Lord and I know this is for like there may be unbelievers on here and there are believers or what have you. But I'm telling you, those of you that are in relationship with the Lord, the Lord is for your growth and for your greatness. His job is not to keep you in a training space. You've got to begin to trust what the lord has begun in you in philippians it talks about i'm confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you is able to complete it yes and sometimes we start out with the lord and then we try to make our own way Mm. and i'm telling you It may sound old fashioned, it may sound outdated, but when you do it God's way, he will exalt you in a way that you could not exalt yourself. Amen to that. And he will do it with longevity. And so some of you, you're in some situations where you're like, you're uncomfortable, but the Lord's saying, stay. (laughs) Some of you are in situations and you're comfortable (laughs) and the Lord's saying, go. Right. Some of you are in in places where you're uncomfortable because there's some folks kind of it feels like they're putting the clamps on you a little bit. And the Lord's saying submit because I'm preparing you for the assignment that's coming. That is not average, but it's great. Come on and say that. But in order for you to walk in your greatness, you've got to grow into it. Come on. Some just, of us we are too immature right now in order to handle the greatness that is coming. Come on. So Oof. again, you've got to be, you've got to be able to submit to the Lord, do it his way, and watch him work, watch him bring healing. Why? Because he's not just trying to get you to an event. He's trying to make you whole. Mm-hmm. He's working things out of you. He's breaking things off of you. He's putting good things in you to make you ready for whatever is coming. That is going to be incredible. It's so true. Your best life is waiting on you. It's so true. I'm
0: just going to give a word of advice. As we are going through this process of allowing the Lord to really bring us into this space of humility, one of the greatest oppositions to that can be our friend group, can be the safe places that we choose to vent our frustration. Because if we are surrounding ourselves with people who are gassing us up, if we have people in our lives that are trying to make us feel good, you know what I mean? Trying to keep us from feeling bad. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to keep us from being in that low posture, not Mm -hmm. because they are being malicious, not because they don't love the Lord themselves, but sometimes people are not always aware of what the Lord is trying to do with you. And mm-hmm. if you know that this message is resonating with you, if you know that this is a time in the season for you, if you know that the Lord has put a promise on your life and you know that you're still in your process, it's not necessarily for you to cut friends off, but you definitely do need to manage the amount of time and the energy and the information that you're trading in this season. Because some of us, like you just gotta, you gotta hunger down. You gotta hunger down and you gotta go through it and you got to yield yourself to the processing of the Lord. And when you allow too many people to speak to it, specifically the people that are trying to lift you and be like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to settle for that. You don't have to take that. You don't have to. Even if you know in your heart that this is something that the Lord is doing, it just creates that resistance. It makes it a lot harder for you to just do it, to just give the Lord what he's asking for when you've got somebody that's like stroking your ego. You know what I mean? Trying to revive. It's like trying to revive something that should be dead. Like stop working on it. And just call it, so I can be done with this part of my my process and move on from here, right? So, like, you can tell you your friends, like, right, listen, I'm going through a process right now. I need to put a do not resuscitate on my ego. <laughs> do not work on my ego. Do not give me mouth to mouth when you feel like this part of me is dying. Let it die. Okay, I'm trying to starve it out. I'm trying to, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm trying to minimize this thing. I'm trying to feed my spirit so that it can be the stronger thing. So don't, don't help me. Don't, don't, don't help me in that way because it really can be, it really can undercut what you're trying to do. Yep. You were saying?
1: No, I just, (laughs) yeah, like a lot of times we go to the people that we know are going to co sign on, what we don't want to do or what we do want to do, right? And so there's times where the Lord, like some of us, y'all, we surround, we are the smartest one in the room. We're the biggest dreamer in the room. And we don't always have people around us that are going to tell us the truth. Or if they do, they're not, this is going to sound really harsh, but we don't value them enough to receive it. And what I mean by that, it's not that we don't like them. It's not that we don't love them. But like I did to that pastor, we're like, well, you're not moving on your stuff. You're not doing this either. Well, you, you're supposed to be back in school too. And you're right. So now we're arguing, right? Because they are peers, right? But you need some people that can, that can call you on your stuff. You need some people that can speak the the word of the Lord into you, right? And not just the word of the Lord that you want to hear, but the word of the Lord that can bring about change, right? And that can shift you. So again, like this process with Joseph, it took some time because the Lord was working some things out of him right? He was working some some major things out of him, right? So that when he is on that platform and when he sees the ones that sold him into slavery, right, he's able to love them and not get revenge, right? We say this, some of y'all take communion every month. And it's been recent that I really been harboring on the scripture, but it says, and Jesus took bread on the night that he was betrayed. So, Jesus, on the very night that he's betrayed by Judas and denied, about to be denied by Peter, he's having fellowship with them and he's washing their feet. You want to talk about humble? Bro, it's not First of all, that
0: you're to already betrayed.
1: Right. Right. But even before they're betrayed, the act of washing feet, it was the job of a slave. That's who washed the feet when 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 people came into the house or came into the room or what have you. It wasn't the host wasn't doing it. It was the lowest of the servants that were doing it. That's why Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. Like, how dare you even humble yourself to that type of, he was like, if I don't, and Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me, right? Like, we don't get this y'all. Like, there are things where like, I would come and minister, but I need a certain amount of money first i would come and minister but i need you know i need red m m's you know what i mean or i need this and i know like we have all of these demands to do the assignment of god we, everything has to be perfect and i'm not saying that folks shouldn't pay your way and pay for travel and all that kind of stuff but like we have too many demands to do the assignment of god Mercy, I don't like the way you're talking to me. And I don't like the way you said this. And I don't like the way you said that. Like, who are we? Mercy. Why has he called us? And the same night he was betrayed, he washed their feet. He took bread with them come on. Right. And so again, we've got this thing that we are so Hollywood and we are so fragile and we are so all of these things and like, Lord, I would go, but they talked about me and they did it. Well, what did they do to Jesus? The Bible says that it's for us to know him and the power
0: of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering.
1: And we're not even suffering. This is it. This is it. Ain't nobody spitting your face. Ain't nobody pulled your beard out. Ain't nobody lying on you. Right? Ain't nobody asking you to die. Right? And so again, we've got to begin to anyway. I listen. Growth and greatness. Praise the Lord. Growth. And like, great. we want to be, we want to be, we want to like, I don't even say that we want to be honored, but we've got to walk honorably.
0: The model that Jesus lays out for us is so contrary to what we would define as an honorable life. I think the model of modern day Christian leadership, and I'm, I'm careful not to just make a big old broad statement, but I will say in the spaces, the things that I have been exposed to and the models that I see versus what I see in scripture are so different that I'm like, when I read scripture, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second, Lord, because. I am like, I'm all mixed up. I'm all mixed up because what you're showing me and what you're telling me that I've got to die daily to aspire to in you is not what I'm seeing. It's not what I'm hearing. And it really does take a recalibration of my ears, a recalibration of my eyes, a recalibration of my appetite for me to fully hold on to the thing for which you have grabbed a hold of me for right? Because it's so easy for us to get all switched up. So easy for me to start aspiring to these things that the Lord's like. but I never said that that was my. I never said that that's what I was trying to do. I never said that this was my promise for you. I never said that this is what you would experience. I told you to look to me. I told you that I would be your example. I told you that I'm the great shepherd. I told you all of these things, but we're like, yeah, the Lord's a great shepherd, but look at these people and who are doing it they're doing it so cool and I believe I really believe that I'm called to that. <laughs> because it's so nice. (laughs) You guys, thank you so much for joining me and my very special guest, Pastor Jonathan Lamb, today for the Growth and Greatness podcast. This season, we are doing things a little bit differently. Normally, we would have all of our shows via uh, live. We would go live on Facebook. We would go live on YouTube. But this season, we are doing all pre-recorded material so that we can just get it out without the hindrances of just, being under an hour and then we you know if they go too long we'll chop it up so that you will have more bite sized chunks to listen to in the podcast but we wanted to be able to kind of work some of these concepts until we could to get it all out so i'm curious to know your feedback if you're enjoying the show if there's any topics that you want for us to cover this season let us know if you have any questions if you have any comments about what we're saying don't hold back leave it in the comments i want to hear from you and if you haven't yet, you can join me at CandiceLamb.com and you can sign up for my newsletter there. We'll be releasing some really cool things shortly. So I want to make sure that you guys set up to receive those things. And that's all we have for today. I want to give another special thank you to my guest, Pastor Jay. Thank you so much for being on the show. I believe that I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I know I was blessed.
1: Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for having me. It's always an honor and a privilege, and I, I mean that sincerely to be able to be on the Growth and greatness podcast and to share with you and to come on and be a part of what you're doing, all the great things that are happening. And so I'm super proud of you and keep going. Let's go.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye thanks for listening to the growth and greatness podcast if you haven't yet subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode and follow me on social media at candice lamb that's c-a-n-d-i-c-e l-a-m-b-e to catch the replay of this live show check out my channel rain life entertainment on youtube That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment on YouTube.